the Lord just reminded me of, of this scripture. And I hope it comforts your heart and counsels your heart. So, but thanks for having me. It's such, such a fun time to be out here. So thank you. And cool to see how God is healing Sean and the report on his aunt. And that's really awesome. Amazing how God made the body, isn't it? Absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and greetings from Rocky Mountain. We love you guys and uh, pray for you. And it's just fun to be in touch with you guys uh, face-to-face again. So thank you for that. Um, before we go into Psalm 16, I thought it'd be, be fitting to pray. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, for your truth, for, God, the hope that comes through your word. Lord, how your word has the power to pierce us to uh, the division of joint and marrow, of soul and spirit. And Lord, in your word today, we're going we're gonna to look at the soul. And uh, we appreciate, um, Lord, that we are our souls. Just pray that you would minister to our souls, minister to our hearts. God, would you meet us? Would you empower your word through the presence of your spirit? Would you give us understanding that can only come through your spirit? And Lord, would you give me utterance that can only come through your spirit? Our dependence is on you as we see David's dependence is on you. Jesus, we thank you, we pray in your matchless name. Amen. So Psalm 16, if you want to open your Bibles to Psalm 16. Um, This is an interesting psalm, and I love to study kind of the background and the context of anything, and I think you guys do that as well. When you're reading the Bible, you're like, well, who was saying this and when and why? And those are important things. Uh, But with Psalm 16, it's interesting, there isn't a lot. There isn't, we know it's uh, from David, uh, but we don't really know where he's at in life, except to kind of look at what he writes. We can make some assumptions. He's definitely learned some things. He's matured in his walk with the Lord and things like that, and we can see that in, in the Word. But we don't know if he's, if he's still running from Saul. We don't know if he's the king of Israel at this point. Um, we can say with pretty good confidence because of the maturity and the things that he's saying that he knows he's going to be king or he is running from Saul, that this is not a psalm that he wrote when he was a, a shepherd before he ever took on Goliath and, and things changed from there. So he's, he's either running and fighting battles with his mighty men or he's the king. I think he, he's already the king after reading it. But I think also God doesn't want us to necessarily know because he wants to give preachers more to talk about. So, no, I'm kidding. He doesn't necessarily want us to know, so we could consider a few different angles as we go through it. And um, God is sovereign in that. But it's pretty interesting, and it's good to know that it is from David, whether he's king or if he's been anointed to be king one day. What we're going to see in this scripture, and I'll read the whole thing all at once, and if you'd read along with me, um, we, we're going to see the, the theme of preservation. What does it mean to be preserved and, in, and for God to preserve us? And it's pretty awesome uh, to go to a church and go for many, many years and see the same people over many, many years, and at the end you're able to say, look, God has preserved us. It's interesting to see a church go through, uh, in America, survive through all kinds of different economic changes. And you look at the end, and you're like, wow, God preserved our church. Um, and this church has seen, has seen those, those economic uh, changes, right? Um, 
and what preserves us and who preserves us so that our anxieties can be diminished, so that we can walk in confidence and walk in peace, and also so that our faith is in the right place. It's not in us preserving us, and it's in the Lord and his grace. My grace is sufficient for you. He says that to us every day, right? <laughs> um, but I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we'll, we'll break it down uh, into verses. Starting in verse 1, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another god. Their drink offering of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. I think that's good enough right there. <laughs> that is so awesome. Well, starting in verse 1, the first word he says is the word preserve. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. David is saying what hopefully our hearts can say as well, is my trust is in the Lord. And he's looking to the Lord, Lord, preserve me. I am putting my trust in you. And that word preserve means to keep. Keep me, God. Keep me. We, we see David in other psalms saying, do not remove your spirit from me, nor take your word from my lips. Don't leave me, God. Don't leave me. It's, it's a powerful thing. Um, because in my heart, I can say, Lord, don't let me lose my job. Lord, don't let me lose, don't let this car that we bought die. <laughs> don't, Lord, don't let, don't let us take losses. And I think it's natural for us to do that um, when we go to, the, go to the doctor for something, an unplanned visit. We can think that those things, Lord, don't let, don't let this take away from me. But, but David is saying, Lord, preserve me. Preserve me, for in you I put my trust. And, and that's the source of rich peace deep inside of our soul. And then he speaks to his soul. He says, oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my God. My goodness is nothing apart from you. David has a lot to, his soul speaks a lot and I, I don't know if you know this, but yours does as well. Sometimes you may not know, that's my soul that's speaking. It's been said that you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. And, and who we are, what makes us precious, isn't our body, because the flesh is perishing, but it's our soul, because our soul lives on forever. Amen? Amen. And so the soul has to agree on who is God in order for the soul to have peace, in order for the soul to be able to prosper. 
You have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. You are my master. That word Lord is master. It's used hundreds of times. And, and in the Old Testament, it's often used in replace of, of as used for God, the creator, the, the magnificent one, the mighty one. And David uses that word because they didn't want to say the name of God. They weren't worthy. They didn't have the utterance to say the name of God, so they would say, Lord. But David's referring to, you are the master of the universe. You are the one who created all things. You have power above all others. And his soul has decided that. His soul has agreed with God as to who God is. And peace comes when we agree with God from our soul as to who is God. And is he our master? Okay, so David's, David's heart here is speaking truth. If you look at Psalm 15 right before this, unless your Bible's really confused, Psalm 15 should be right before this one. Guess what? David says, who, who can stand in your temple? Who can, who can abide with you? And he says, those whose heart speak truth. Speaks truth in their heart. And, and David here is speaking truth in his heart. And he has agreed that Jesus is the Lord God is the creator and his master. Then he says, my goodness is nothing apart from you. And if you look at that, you can, at a first glance, when I read through this, studying it a week ago, I, I was thinking, well, yeah, that's obvious. He's agreeing with God that apart from God, anything good he can bring to the table is nothing. But then I looked into the word goodness, and it's, it's, that's not actually the case. The word uh, is Tob. I, I don't know the Greek letter, I mean the Hebrew letters, but it's pronounced Tob. You would phonetically spell it out T O W B. And that is the blessings that I have in my life is nothing apart from you. That's an interesting way of viewing things. He's saying, the lot that I have in my life apart from you, it doesn't matter. What he's saying is, the world can't compete. If you're not involved, the world has nothing to offer me. Now, I do think he is a king at this time when he's writing it, but he may not be. He may be leading the, the mighty men, hundreds of mighty men, and in, in winning these battles, as you can read about in the Old Testament, but he may be king as well, and he may be looking at this gigantic kingdom that he has been given, and saying, you know what, apart from God, this is nothing. And here's a cool thing. This is where peace comes into our lives, is when we look at all that we have and we say, I'm willing to give it all up. It doesn't matter. It is nothing apart from God. When, when the Lord is the primary treasure inside of us, and how often in life does the Lord test us on that? You buy a car, and then it, it gets its first dent, does it really impact your soul, right? Or you lose something, you lose a job, you, lo you lose finances. Uh, we went through that personally, my wife and I, and at the end, we're like, well, I guess the Lord just has something else in mind for us. But we didn't lose the Lord, and, and that's all that matters. The soul that agrees that nothing competes with the presence of God. And that's what David says in other Psalms is, Hey, Lord, do not take your spirit away from me. That's all that matters to me. 
I can lose everything. Just don't take your spirit away from me. And, and he's saying, all the blessings that have been offered to me and given to me throughout all of life is nothing apart from God. Okay, why is that, why is that peaceful to you and I today? I think a lot of people, including myself, can be tempted to not want to lose what we have. And we can live in a state of fear of loss. I think some of the, the uh, most depressed people you'll ever meet are millionaires who are afraid of losing their millions. And so all that money did nothing for them. And it's left them just feeling more anxiety, checking the stock market every day. Okay, whew, I'm okay today. I'm okay today. And in, a, in David's time, a time where kings reigned, and then they lost, and then a new king would take place, and then they would be out, there was no peace in that position that, that he had. And so he's like, it doesn't matter apart from God. It doesn't matter apart from his presence in my life. That's a, a soul that can have peace. Now, it can only have peace if that soul agrees that God isn't leaving. It's a soul that says, God is here for good, and now I, I can truly have peace. And we're going to go further into that in a minute. Now, here's something that protects us, something that preserves us. Verse 3, as for the saints who are in the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I love that verse. I can't believe what happened 21 years ago after getting saved. I could not believe what fellowship was. It blew my mind. All of a sudden, I'm meeting with people, and I've got this relationship with them that it, it, it goes beyond family. Thank God my family is wonderfully following the Lord. My siblings, we get together, and we have a great time and all of that. But you know what? The fellowship I have with any other believer as we sit and we talk about the Lord is so rich and so genuine and true. It took some time to see that. It took some time in my life to see that. And I, had, I was saved, but none of my friends around me got saved at that time. And so I would be following the Lord. I'd be reading his word. I'd be in study, enjoying my walk with the Lord. And then I'd hang out with my, my friends, lifelong friends, and when I'd hang out with them and I'd come home at the end of the day, end of the night, and just my fellowship with the Lord seemed gone. Like my friends didn't talk about Jesus. They didn't want to talk about Jesus. And I had changed, but they hadn't. And I no longer found delight with them. I no longer found delight. And I would go to church and I'd find delight. I'd find delight in fellowship. It's so fun to walk in here and see your smiles and find delight in fellowshipping with you all. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. David was all in with the body. He was all in. And so that begs the question then, what community do I find delight in? What community do you find delight in? It's an important question because if that community is the body of Christ plus the world, there's going to be something to challenge your preservation. If that community isn't really the body of Christ, you don't find delight in the body of Christ, then there's an issue that needs to be addressed because your delight is in the world 
And that's not a good thing. That's going to work against your preservation if your delight is in the world. Can fun things happen in the world? Can you go and do fun things in the world? Absolutely. But true delight should be with the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. True delight. And, and David says that. Okay, so that's preserving him. Finding delight in the body is a preserver for us. The body of Christ, this church, preserves us. Man, I'm counseling a couple. They are currently separated. Wonderful, awesome couple when they're fellowshipping. And then when they go into the world and they're not at church, if I know if I don't see them for four or five weeks, it's time to give them a call and they're going to be struggling. I know it. Because they're in the world, and what does the world ask them to do? Compromise. It asks them to compromise. And the spirit is willing. I know they know the Lord. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And they go out and they compromise, and then they get stung, they get burned, and then they come back to church, and then I give them the old, why are you compromising talk? <laughs> and then, here we go again. And this cyclical pattern keeps going. But you know, if you don't do that, that's where preservation is. The fellowship is every time you get together with Christians going to be delightful? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But I'll tell you, if you come and what you give to the body of Christ, you will receive. And if you give love, you give joy, you give truth, you give faithfully, you, give, you sacrifice for one another, you'll receive that. I guarantee you. And you'll actually receive more than you've given because that's the way God designed the body of Christ. So be preserved in fellowship. Verse 4, their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offering of blood I will not offer nor take up their names on my lips. My wife and I, when we, when we first got married or got engaged, we agreed we're not going to say the word divorce in our home. It's not going to be on our lips. And that's what David is talking about here. He's talking about... I'm not even going to say the names of these, these people who are chasing after false gods. It's interesting. That's called resolve, isn't it? David had resolved in his heart some things. And he'd resolved, I am not going to say these names. I am not going to drink their drink offering of blood. Now, that word hasten is a good word because it, it's like this knee-jerk reaction, right? It's an action you take without really thinking it through. Now, the reason I can hasten after sin in my life is because if I stop and think it through, I won't do it, and I want to do it, and so I hasten after something. That can happen, right? We can, we, what we answer to, what controls us, is a God. Ultimately, at the end of the day, any religion you look at, including Christianity, is asking the question, who do I submit to? Because there's a God, and whoever I submit to is God. That's how it works. And an idol is that which you answer to. It can be alcohol. It can be alcohol. It, I answer to it. It can be drugs. You can answer to it. Like You can submit to it. You can hasten after it. It can be pornography. It can be video games. I had a little fun talk about that last time I was here. Burn your video game controller, right? Okay. God can be in our hearts whatever we're answering to without thinking about it. Because if we think about it, we, we probably won't do it. We'll, we'll hear a voice saying, no, you don't do that. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't do it. Now, David had resolved he's not going to. 
And life has enough suffering as it is. We, we have enough suffering, enough trials as it is. Even following the Lord, committing our, our way to the Lord. But do we want to multiply that suffering? Do we want to multiply our sorrows? We can. We have the authority to multiply our sorrows, don't we? And, and it's hastening after something. It can be anger. Hastening after anger and multiplying our sorrows. So resolve not to. Resolve in your heart not to. And if it's, something, if it's something that keeps coming back, a cyclical pattern in your life, something that you, you continue to battle with, where do you find that resolve? In the Lord. And where do you, where do you find preservation? In fellowship, in the body, in accountability, right? Okay. So, we've resolved we are not going to partake in the drink offering of the idols. We're not going to go there. I think it's, it's pretty neat what ended up happening with my early friends when I was first saved. They, they have since been saved. It's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. Great story. That's how God works, right? But there was a period of time when I was no longer being invited. Like, I wasn't going to be <laughs> invited to the party anymore. I wasn't going to be invited to what they were doing because I was a buzzkill. <laughs> they did not want to hear about Jesus, so please don't come kind of thing. Well, that preserved me. That preserved me. And it's pretty awesome. Oh, verse 5. Let's go on to verse 5. Oh, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. You guys, this is so refreshing. I hope this refreshes your soul, is that you're not in control. You're not in control, and I hope that refreshes you. You know what? I hope this is also refreshing. There's no political party that maintains your lot in life. Not one. None of them. They don't have that authority. I'm refreshed by that. I'm refreshed by that. The Lord is my portion and my inheritance and my cup. Now, I did a word study on the word cup once and it, through the Bible, and it's super fun to take a word and study every time it's used in Scripture. And I'm, I'm not going to talk about more than one other time that it's used. But I'll tell you, and you're probably thinking of it, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Lord is praying, Lord, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's a different cup. That's a totally different cup. Psalm 23, David is, is talking about the same cup he's talking about right here. He's like, my cup overflows. My cup overflows with goodness, with grace, with love, with blessing. We're allowed to drink of the cup of blessing because Christ drank of the cup of curse, right? <laughs> He drank of the cup of the wrath of God, and he drank it all, completely. You and I, our cup overflows. We can't even catch all the blessing. We couldn't even contain it all to drink it all. <laughs> we have blessing going, flowing around us like a river, like we just crossed the bridge coming here. It was awesome. Try to grab that water. Just try to stop it. Just try to drink it. And our life is that way. The Lord has given us a cup, and it, it overflows, doesn't it? At this time, and I'm looking at, at the, these scriptures, and my wife and I were talking about the gifts for the kids, and, and there is nothing exciting about these gifts for the kids. And because the scripture is true, 
All of those gifts, all of that goodness is nothing apart from God. And I just want my kids to know the Lord. I just want them to know the Lord. I want them to look at the life they have, like you and I have, and say, wow, look at the cup. Look at the inheritance the Lord has given us. Our cup overflows. He's our provider, and then he's our maintainer. He maintains what we have. And that's pretty interesting. A maintainer means that he's actively involved in, in what's happening around us, in the things, everything about us, he's actively involved in. And he maintains it. I loved my job. I, had a, I was a maintenance guy for the Navigators, Eagle Lake Camp. And I maintained that camp for five years. And I was actively into everything involved. None of the kids who ever came or went had any idea how the boiler system worked or how, how the water system worked and, and all of those things. They could care less if the sprinklers worked, all that, right? It wasn't their business. Their business was to have fun and enjoy and just have a great time. And that's what the Lord is. His hands are deep into the dirtiness of our life, and he's maintaining us. He's maintaining us. And he's actively currently, right now, involved in maintaining us, not passively sitting there. And so that word is active and present maintenance of my lot. And the word lot, of course, means everything I have, everything related to me, whether it's all my relationships, my family, personal property, my rights, my rights being taken, whatever it is, he's maintaining it. Now, I can find peace in that because that means I don't need to worry when the government does what governments do and when they bomb out. I don't need to worry when that, that party, government party, doesn't fulfill their promise because guess what? They don't maintain me and they don't maintain my lot. They boast that they do, but they don't, and I know who does, right? And he's the Lord. And then my, my, my car, my home, my family, my property... He maintains it. The Lord maintains it. He gave it, and he maintains it. And he can take it, too. And he can take it, but I'll still be preserved. Amen? So he's our provider. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Amen. When I was a kid, we, grew, we were growing up, and we were on the low-to-no-income range. My, my father, he struggled. He really did alcohol, and he's a, he's a tough Vietnam vet, Green Beret. Wonderful man. He really finished well. I want you to hear that. Awesome guy. Godly man. Oh, man, just wonderful. But at the end of the day, I could see, oh, the lines haven't really fallen to me in a good place here. That's what it looked like as a child growing up and seeing other kids and where the lines had fallen for them, you know? And... David here is saying, the lines have fallen to me in a good place. Another reason I feel he's, he's kind of done running from Saul, and he is the king at this point, but I, I still don't know, and we still don't know. And now I look at my life, and I, and I see my kids, and I see all the blessing that they have, but they have their own challenges too. They've got every temptation coming to them all day long, every day, and, and they're in this battle, they're in this war, and I think... They, they, they kind of have it hard as well. The pressure that our son, our oldest, he's, he's a, a freshman in high school. And so, wow, the pressure that comes at a freshman. It's amazing. 
And yet, he could look to God and say, God, the lines have fallen to me in good places. They've fallen to me in good places. And so, what do we do when we look at this inheritance? And what do we do? Does it become what preserves us? Are the things that are out there in the world what motivate us, what compel us? Are they, or are they, are they competing with our soul? Are they competing with what our soul should truly know and truly love? But David's here. He's sitting in blessing. He's saying, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. And you guys, we can say that as well. Because truth be told, in the 1970s and 80s, in my childhood growing up, it was awesome compared to so many today. Even with a rough, a rough childhood, even without a lot of money, it was pleasant, and, and the lines fell to me in good places. It was Minnesota, of course, so it's got to be good, right? No, Okay. And they have. So let's look at the world around us, and let's look at, wow, how blessed we are. And David sees the blessing that's around him. And he, and he responds, verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. This is awesome because David needed counsel. He needed to know God's word. He needed to have wisdom. He needed to make the right decisions. And he knew that need. And guess what? God gave him and filled that need, didn't he? Gave him wisdom. Gave him counsel. And in, in also in verse 7, he says, My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. That's pretty cool. I want you guys to, to not separate that because the two definitely go together because the Bible says a lot of bad things about our heart. The heart of man is desperately wicked, the Bible says. Who can know it? And we know that. So should we be listening to our heart or not? And often the, the truth is, no, we shouldn't be listening to our heart. So the beginning of verse 7 is what's really important. In order for us to have a heart that we can trust, we have to have received God's counsel. And that's why David says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And he's saying, Oh man, I bless you, Lord, for your word, for the counsel. And that's hidden in my heart. Now I have a heart that I can trust. We've got to reprogram our hearts. Right? Psalm 51 created me a new heart. Right? David asked for. And, and then God tells Israel, hey, I'm going to take out your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. It's the new heart. So I pray you don't walk out trusting your heart. I pray you walk out trusting that new heart that God has given you. And we'll get into uh, that a little more. In just a second. But he's saying, I'll bless the Lord because he has given me counsel. You guys, we are blind leading the blind. We are just running wild and crazy unless the counsel is from the Lord. And, and that's, the, I think, why God gave us government sometimes. I, I didn't plan to talk about government. But I swear that might be why he gave us government sometimes. So we can look and say, oh, okay, that's what confusion looks like. I am so excited that God gave me his word. I'm so blessed that he gave me his word, because without it, I would look like that. Absolutely arguing, absolutely confused, no answers, going nowhere. Otherwise, I got God's counsel. Bless the Lord for his counsel. It can teach me, it can change my heart, and it's true, and it's proven. And then 
And, and David even says that. The Psalms are so beautiful, aren't they? Psalms are so wonderful. So I bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Protection. So David starts this psalm asking God, preserve me. And before he does this a lot, before he's even done with the psalm, he's confident that God is going to do it already. And we see this confidence building in David and expectation coming from David about God to do that. So through the night seasons, through the dark seasons that we see in verse 7, he says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. And this is it, guys. It's having the, the counsel of God in our heart and setting that before us, making decisions based on that. Setting God before you is saying, I won't do anything without viewing it through God's perspective. What does God say about this? What is God's will concerning this. I have set God always before me. Preserves us, doesn't it? If we're always putting God's word in front of us, always seeking God's will in every decision, there's preservation in that. And there's peace in that, isn't there? Even the hard decisions, we find so much peace because God was before us and we're doing it through that perspective. And then there's stability in here because as long as God's at my right hand, I know I will not be moved. It, it's, it's unfortunate when in my life I make a decision and I haven't sought the counsel of the Lord. Then I, I spend the rest of my time after making that decision wondering, did I make the right decision? Am I going to pay a price for this decision? And, and living in that kind of anxiety. And then there's decisions made, like, oh, I know that's the Lord's will. He's made his will clear. He spoke to me through his word, spoke to me through wise counsel. And so I can move forward saying, I'm not going to be moved. God is with me in this. He's at my right hand. I'm not going to be moved. That's pretty awesome. And David says this even to the grave. There's no way you can, you can donate part of your liver without questioning, am I risking my life? That's the reality, right? And then there's no way. My, my wife, I just, she just amazes me. She and I agreed that it would be okay for her to be a surrogate. So she carried another person's baby. And complete, I had nothing, no body parts from her, just so there's no confusion. But, um, but that's a risk, isn't it? Delivering babies is, is a risk. Carrying babies is a risk to your own physical health. In fact, it, it's a guaranteed sacrifice, isn't it? <laughs> when, you, when you're pregnant, your baby takes all those nutrients. Your baby does, you're sacrificing from day one as a pregnant woman. But we set the Lord before us, and we knew his heart, and we made a decision, and we didn't wonder. We trusted the Lord. Hey, if, if this ends up being really bad, we, we still trust the Lord we, we still feel he was before us in this. And so we walk in peace, even, even in a challenge. There's always an element of faith, of course. There's always an element of faith because God isn't actually appearing and verbally speaking this to me. <laughs> so there's going to be an element of faith until he's actually doing that. But our preservation 
is because the Lord has given us counsel. We have set him before us, and surely he's going to be at our right hand, and we shall not be moved. Every one of these verses in, in this, are you'll find the same theme in so many different psalms. So I hope you uh, seek those psalms out, that preservation of, the God, of God in our lives. So verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. At the end of it, in our decision, should Beth carry a, a surrogate, should she be a surrogate, part of the reason we said yes was Mary was a surrogate. We're about to celebrate that. And then um, another, another thing is, is that worst case scenario, we, we, her flesh would rest in hope. God won the grave. He defeated the grave. He defeated death. And so at the end, we can take, a, we can take a, a chance and have faith. And then we would be, I loved this part of it, to be honest with you. I'm a little bit sassy at times, but we'd be going through the grocery store line, and Beth would be like out to here, and they'd say, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I'd say, it's not mine. And they'd be like, oh, they'd job a job. It was a lot of fun. But <laughs> Sorry, babe. The Lord preserved me for that joke. No, I'm kidding. Okay. No, we do that just knowing, you know what, guys? Here's the confidence we have, body of Christ, is even when we go to the grave, God's promise is still good. We're not moved even if we die. That's awesome. The meagers had, to, had, had that faith. At the end of the day, that faith was there or the decision might not have been made, right? Amen. And David is standing, and he's standing firm on that truth. Now we're going to get into some prophecy, some prophecy about our Lord. Verse 10. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Amen. We know that this is a prophecy actually about Jesus. And let's, let's actually go to it. We have a few minutes. Let's go to Acts Go to Acts chapter 13. In Acts 2 and chapter 13, both uh, times, one time it's Peter, and another time it's Paul, they refer to this scripture specifically, and they say David is not talking about David, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about our Savior. And our hope is not found in the fact that Jesus died, although it is, is found also and finally in the fact that he did not see corruption. He rose from the dead, right? In that, that resurrection. So in verse 35 of Acts 13, he says, Therefore, he also says in another psalm, that's Psalm 16, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. And I'll continue. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, that was God's cup for him, right? God's lot for him, by the will of God, David fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. Peter in Acts 2 says, hey, his grave's still here. He definitely saw corruption. His body fell apart, became worm food, became fertilizer. Okay. So what is David talking about? He's talking about 
my body and my future, and I know my body can, can go down to the grave and rest because God did not allow Jesus to see corruption. He raised him from the dead. Man, that's the ultimate peace. And guess what? That's also the ultimate preservation. Preserved for eternity. That's awesome. You guys, children of God, you're preserved for eternity. That's powerful. That's why the Bible says, you know, you can encounter trials in this life. They're nothing compared to the glory that awaits you, right? Nothing compared to the glory that awaits you. And that's what preserves us. Because life can beat us up and beat us up and beat us up. But at the end of the day, we know that we're going to have eternal life in the presence of God. And in this life, Jesus said, eternal life is knowing God. Right now, we can know God, and that'll preserve us. And now look at what, um, in verse 11, and we'll close. He says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is a great thing, and this is what preserves us, is that we see the emptiness and the vanity of pursuing the false gods of this world. Because we know the true source of joy and the true source of pleasures. And it's Jesus. That's what we know. So our body can get old, and Lord willing, it, it will. We'll live long enough. We'll be blessed long enough for our, our ankles to pop when we get out of bed. It happens to me every morning. The other day, I pulled a muscle yawning. I did. I was like, what is that? That's a new pain. What is going on? I did, ah, like, whoa. Okay, my body's falling apart. And praise the Lord, I've lived long enough for it to happen. I saw a comedian, I was in Minnesota, and he said, he was doing this, there was a skit. And he's playing a 27-year-old, and his sister says, what's wrong? And he goes, well, I'm too old to die tragically young. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> we're creating issues, aren't we? Well, I guess I've found that place too now. I'm too old to die, tragically young. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we see the Lord as the source of our fullness of joy, when we see the Lord as the source of pleasures forevermore, you guys, the world can't compete with that. And when the world can't compete then we're finally going to be something that's good for the world. When we're no longer sold out to the property that we own or the, the prestige of our position, when we're no longer living for those things, because, you know what, at, at God's right hand, our pleasures forevermore, that's preserving us. That preserves us, doesn't it? When the world can no longer compete, it can offer us a lot of cool things, but it it can't compete with the truth that Jesus, at his right hand, are pleasures forevermore. Man, we, we will no longer be disillusioned. We'll stop putting our faith in man or in government or in prestige or in education and just start saying, you know what, Lord, you, you've given my lot. You're my inheritance. I want your fullness of joy in your presence. The world can't compete with that. And when the world is no longer in the picture, we are preserved, aren't we? We're preserved for God. It's easier said than done, though. Because the world's got some pretty cool, tempting things that they throw our way. And discontent in our, in our minds can come at us, especially at this time of year. 
at this time of year, we can start to say, yeah, my cell phone is kind of lame, and it is Christmas, so I guess, you know, I'm going to get an upgrade. And then after a week of having it, we're like, this, this didn't matter. This didn't, this didn't give me joy. This didn't bring me peace. Lord, I want your presence. I want your fullness of joy. And when we have that, it doesn't matter if we have an iPhone 6 or an iPhone 11 anymore, does it? Because we got fullness of joy. You guys, God is offering us fullness of joy in his presence. So that begs the question, how do we get into his presence? And that's Psalm 15. Psalm 15 is really, really answers that one very clearly on, on how to stay in the presence of God. But no matter what, believers, listen, no matter what, you're preserved. You're set apart for God. Even if your flesh falls apart, your soul is still set apart for God. So in your soul, what are you saying? Are you speaking the truth in your soul? That God in your presence is fullness of joy? Are you speaking the truth in your soul? God, you are my Lord, you are my King, you are my Master, and you are good. Are you speaking that truth? And then, are you finding delight in fellowship, or are you finding delight somewhere else? Because where you're finding delight outside of the, the fellowship of walking in truth, walking in the Spirit with one another, and you're finding your delight somewhere else, the only other place is the world, and the world doesn't have a good reputation. And so it may be time to stop hanging out with certain people. Maybe time to stop talking with certain people. It may be time to stop even say, putting their name on your lips anymore. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's family. I can't really do that, <laughs> especially with the holidays coming. That's not easy, is it? It may be time to stop them and say, I can't, I can't have this conversation. I want to talk about something that, that's delightful. I want to talk about something true. And then if you're sitting at the dinner table this Christmas, if you're celebrating a new year, maybe it's time to start speaking of the Lord. Start celebrating him. Start rejoicing him in your life. Start sharing those truths with your family. And start something new. And then maybe, just maybe, they'll stop inviting you to the party. And that's a good thing. Amen? So I pray that we stay preserved, protected, and in the presence of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you uh, for your, your word, and we find our hope in you, God. I just pray, that, Lord, would you reveal in our hearts where we are finding delight outside of you, outside of fellowship with one another, outside of your presence. Would you do that, Lord? Would you be faithful to do that so that, God, we can repent of those things, so that we can walk away from those things? where there are words and thoughts on our lips, Lord, that shouldn't be there, would you give us the resolve to stop with those things? God, we need you to speak to our hearts. We need you to tell us where, where our hearts are wrong and, Lord, where our souls are not in agreement with your word. But that's by your grace, and that is by your counsel. Lord, when we're, when we're in the dark seasons, we want your truth. We want your counsel. So, Holy Spirit, would you reveal in our hearts and would you counsel us with your word? And Lord, allow us to, to store that so we won't sin against you, so we won't be distracted by the world. Lord, we just want to glorify you. We want to know your presence. And I think everyone in this room, Lord, wants nothing more than to have your presence right now 
in our hearts and in our lives. That fullness of joy, yes, it's a wonderful thing, God, and I think it's because we have so much security when you're with us. Lord, where we're not putting, your, putting you ever before us, would you show us, God? Lord, when we are hastily chasing after those things in our lives that can control us and at times have, have been our master, Lord, will you show us those things and teach us and give us the counsel to, to walk away from those things. Teach us how, Lord, to put you before us so that we can no longer follow after them, so that we don't multiply our sorrows, but, Lord, we want to multiply our joy. And we know, God, that your will is good for us. We know, God, that you've blessed us and we're rich around every corner. We go, we're so blessed. The, the lines have fallen to us in good places. And Lord, we know and we thank you that our inheritance is good. We drink from the cup of peace, the, the cup of blessing, and our cup overflows. So Lord, would you be glorified? Lord, would you be glorified this Christmas in our hearts and in our families? And Lord, would we see how blessed we truly are? Should there never be another Christmas gift, God, how, how truly blessed we are because we are yours. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. We praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dan. You guys want to stand with us? Or stand, I should say. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever. And for the life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, oh sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, and forever God is with us forever. God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever God is faithful, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever, forever you are faithful. Forever you are faithful, and forever you are strong, and forever you are with us, forever, forever. Forever.